0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 309 of your Take Boot Camp podcast. The title of today's interview is Two Mondays, an interview with Khalil Fuller. My name is Richard Johansson,
1: And I'm Matt Sabatello.
0: Folks, as you know, we're always looking for shortcuts or hacks that will reduce the suffering caused by Lyme disease. And one of the patterns that we see developing here is that artists appear to have a leg up on this process. And we interviewed an artist named Khalil Fuller, also known as Two Monies, and he brought some really powerful tools to this podcast that we think you folks will want to model.
1: And what I found most powerful about Two Monies, also known as Khalil Fuller, is how open and honest he was. And I was able to personally relate to so much of what he described while also getting tips and tricks to help me on my journey today. So not only did I feel validated, I walked away with knowledge to help me continue on with my healing journey, Rich.
0: So yeah, Matt, we really are excited to introduce Two Monies to our Tick Bootcamp community because he is going to bring the artistic view to how you can heal. And he did it in a very powerful and vulnerable way. So without further ado, folks, we're really excited to introduce to you Cleo Fuller, also known as Two Monies. Hey, Khalil Fuller, also known as Two Moneys. Welcome to the Tick Camp Podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, we are really excited to have you, Khalil, on the podcast. And uh, I do have to ask the first question that uh, you'd expect an old guy to ask you. And that is, how did you get your stage name, Two Monies? Two
2: Monies. It came from back in the college days. We used to uh, gamble and play a little tunk. I don't know if y'all ever heard the card game, tunk. Trump. You that? Tunk. T-U-N-K. No, nope, never did. It's a card game we play and it's a certain way you win the game. And when you win the game, you get doubles that way. So you'll get doubles. So every time we get doubles, like two monies, two monies. So we just kept saying that and then just kept using it, using it. And then it just ended up sticking with me. I just started using that as my stage name for our artists. Right, I went so a couple that's... of different
0: names, though, but two monies was the one that I settled on. And that's what that's what we are today. So actually how we found you, Two Money's, was was through your uh, your entertainment sites. And um, we, we actually become big fans of you and some of the great work that you're doing. So talk to us about um, what inspired you to become uh, an artist and what type of art you are pursuing uh, currently.
2: I just always been a music guy and an artist type of guy. Like that's just how I grew up because my family's from New York and I was actually born in New York. So, but I moved down to North Carolina when I was young. but I always liked the up north type of music. I wasn't really hip to the down south music. So that just always stuck with me. And then not really knowing people being how I was, I just always music, music, music. So that was my thing. So I just stuck with me, stuck with me. The next thing you know, we start practicing, playing around and stuff like that. And next thing you know, you get better, better, better. And you're like, oh, this is some people telling you that you're actually pretty good at it. Like, I'm a kind of humble guy, but they say, hey, you you're pretty good. I'm not gonna just tell you this just to tell you this. So I'm like, well, I might as well
0: keep sticking with it. And I've progressed, and here I am today. Well, I have to tell you, I, I I didn't realize why we would like you so much, but now I get it. Right? You're a New Yorker who speaks well, right? So <laughs> you have you have a good-looking New York guy who goes who is brought up down south, so he knows how to speak English properly. And you combine both the the New York culture with a guy who can speak English, and you become a great artist. Yes, sir. So talk to us, uh, Khalil, about uh, what it was like to grow up down south uh, up to the time you went to college. Uh, Growing up
2: down south, it was pretty cool to me. I mean, it was just pretty normal. I've just been always just a cool, nonchalant guy, go with the flow guy. So I fit in kind of anywhere. So but just growing up down here, it was pretty cool, pretty nice. Like, but I I, I still always had that New York urge. And because the family was from New York, so we used to go back up every summer and stuff like that. But Down here, down south was cool. I mean, I was still kind of the city vibes because I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it was still city vibes. So it wasn't nothing out of the normal. Like I'm all the way out in the country, way out of my element. It was still city vibes and stuff like that. So I fitted in, went to elementary school, middle school here and everything.
0: I I loved it. So now, uh, Khalil, were you you an outdoorsy kid, meaning were there a lot of outdoor activities for for folks in Charlotte? I'm not really familiar with whether it's, it's urban, the way our cities are here in New York, or is it more of a sort of suburban city where you had a lot of outdoor activities?
2: Uh, yeah, it was some, it was a lot of outdoor activities, but like, you know, in New York, everything's kind of close together and compact together down here. Like it wasn't as um, how it's growing now. So everything was more spread out back then. So you have your neighborhoods here and there sit like that, but everything was more spread out. So most of the activities, you know, it was, play football sports like that you know football basketball baseball out in the, in the backyard in the fields we had a lot of space to play sports and stuff like that so that's
0: mainly what we did when we was young and ride bikes and stuff like that so Cleo one of the things that we always ask folks when they come onto our podcast is whether or not they were aware of ticks and tick diseases during their childhood or whether or not they were bitten by ticks and if not if so or not were they were they given any information about how to stay safe from ticks, either from their families or from the educational system?
2: I knew nothing about ticks, nothing like absolutely nothing. The only thing I knew about ticks was that little cartoon that used to come on back in the day. The little blue man that was the uh, tick. <laughs> I, I forgot what that was, but whatever that was, that's the only thing I knew about ticks. Or whatever he was, I knew it was something about a tick. I was like. I knew nothing about ticks. What they look like, what they do, anything. But and it's just so funny because all my friends used to always make fun of me because I was always scared of bugs, like any little bug, flying bug, bug here. I get real jumpy around bugs, so
0: they used to always make fun of me about that and a bug. <laughs> so, so now, um, what part of New York were you coming up to when you were visiting in New York? Uh, Brooklyn. We used to always go to Brooklyn. We used to uh, go to my grandma's house. She stayed in Brooklyn. So we used to
2: always go up there every summer. Me and my brother used to take the train up there for the summer and go up there and stay with
0: her. Yeah. So my mother's family's from Brooklyn as well. And, um, you know, they, they certainly didn't know anything about ticks in Brooklyn because Brooklyn's a pretty urban, uh, you know, part of New York city. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until my, my parents moved us out to Long Island, that ticks became, became a huge problem for us. And, and uh, even as old as I am, we were getting tick. We were getting bitten by ticks from my young childhood out on Long Island. It was a huge problem. So you didn't have that either in Brooklyn when you were visiting um, your family up here in New York, and you didn't have any tick issues when you were when you were growing up uh, as a child in North Carolina.
2: No, no tick issues because I always pretty much was in city, city, city-like areas. Like I got friends that that stayed like down in South Carolina, a little bit in, in more country areas they more, they were more aware about stuff like that. But me just growing up, I I didn't know nothing about that. Like never been hiking, camping in the woods and stuff like that. So I had no clue.
0: All right. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about how you were developing as an artist and how that ultimately took you uh, to where you went to college. Talk about, you know, the art that you were developing, how you were merging these cultures between sort of the hard New York culture and the Soft Southern culture. I don't want to make fun of all of our Southern friends, uh, but how you were merging that and how that helped you to develop as an artist, and, and and why that took you to the college you went to. Well, like
2: growing up, like my brother, he was in the music too. Like a, a lot of our close friends, we was all like music stuff like that. But we had these um we had these like stereotype and turntables in our um back in our home. We was growing up. So what we would do is get a little tape recorder. Pop in a blank tape, got some turntables from the record store, get some records with instrumentals on them and stuff like that. And we used to just go out in the sunroom and just play around, just just rapping all day, all night, all day, all night, like on the weekends and stuff like that, just, just rapping, going back and forth, freestyling, writing our own little songs and stuff like that, just keep coming up with stuff like that. So we did that like all the time. So that's how I kind of just got into music and keep getting into it more and more and more. And as I'm growing older growing up starting to go to high school and stuff like that you start to meet more friends around in the area stuff like that more people who's also into doing music so we're hanging up with them and getting better equipment now so we're coming up so it's like 2000 so we got computers now so now we move from the turntables and the stereo to the computer so we're messing around the computer, rapping, still doing the same thing. We're just getting better and better, learning more and more about the process of how to actually make a song and put a song together and stuff like that. So I graduate and get ready to go to college. Music wasn't even really on my mind when I was going to college, to, towards the picking a college, but so I ended up picking North Carolina A&T and that's up in Greensboro, like an hour from home. So I just end up going there and then you go there and it's like high school, but 10 times bigger. So you meet more people who into the same thing you're doing and stuff like that. You got different clubs and actually, I mean, Greensboro, that's like a big college town. So there's a lot of schools and stuff like around and a lot of people in there. So there's a plenty of people and plenty of activities to do that for music artists and stuff like that. So we're starting to do little open mic shows and stuff like that, getting to perform on campus for uh, just different activity, activities they got going on. So that was real fun and just getting get, get more experience of, being an artist and what it would actually be like just trying to hone in on my craft and stuff like that. So that's
0: how I got there. So now too many starts to develop um, his craft. He starts to become a a more and more successful artist. You start to do some touring uh, and then you start to get sick. So talk to us about when you first started to um, suffer from the symptoms you now know to be your Lyme disease symptoms. Mm. Let's see. but um before
2: I got sick I had went out to California to actually do music this was after I graduated college so okay one of my friends he has an opportunity to go out to California from someone his mom knows so he's taking him he automatically just comes to like hey you do I want to come I'm like can I come I got somewhere to stay for free yeah I'm coming I quit my job. I'm already graduated college. I quit my job just to go out there and and try that life and see how that goes. So that right there was a completely wild experience. And I never seen that. That That's my first time just picking up and just going to the West Coast like that. So i was like, "Mm, let's try this. So, and so you just live and going out there doing that and you figure out stuff, what you want to do. And I end up coming back
0: and then a few years later after that, that's when I first got sick. So clearly, so you, you majored in marketing in college and you sort of merged your, your degree and your experience as a marketer with your, with your gifts and talents as an artist. And you merge that together, you, 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 begin to play a craft in, in California. You get a lot more experience in California. You now come back, right? Start to get sick when you come back. Now you, you did not remember having any symptoms when you were in California, you only began to feel symptoms when you came back home.
2: Yeah, no, 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 no symptoms in California whatsoever. I was still fine for maybe like about two or three years after California, I was fine, everything was normal. And I, I get a job back here home in, in Charlotte. And so I'm working a job. And this is the funny thing about the job. I was getting mad at the job. I hated the job. So I was getting ready to quit the job. So I'm getting ready to quit. And this might've been like two weeks later. I literally was in the gym. I hit my leg on the Stairmaster. It was like a hard hit. So I looked down at my leg like, I see a big rash, a a real big rash, like a target red rash and it's elevated. I said, I didn't hit my leg that hard for it to be a bruise like that. So I I got kind of scared instantly Didn't really know what it was. I still go to work the next day and I show my coworker. I was like, look at this. He's like, I don't know what the hell that is. I'm like, yeah, me either. And so I kind of just brushed it off. I'm like, "Mm, maybe just a regular bug bite and just keep going on about my days. Now,
0: we knew you didn't like bugs, Khalil. You made it very clear that bugs and Khalil are not a match, right? So had you seen a bug or had you felt a bug or had you seen something, you certainly would have responded to that, right? So you never remember seeing anything on that spot until the time comes that you have the sort of incidental contact in the gym, but you knew that you you didn't hit your leg hard enough to suffer a serious bruise the way it appeared uh, when you saw it, right? Yeah, exactly. Never seen no bug whatsoever. So, not clear. Um, you said it looked like a bullseye, right? The, yeah. uh, the rash that you saw. Did that mean anything to you? Meaning, did a bull looking at the leg and seeing a bullseye rash, did that suggest anything to you? Was, were you aware of what a bullseye rash might be? I, I had
2: no idea. I had no idea it was a bullseye rash. or I, I meant, like I said, it was just like a big red rash. It was warm and it was elevated. And I'd never seen nothing like that before, but it was, I was like, just some kind of bug bite. I didn't thought nothing about a tick or just a sign or something,
0: something of nothing. I'm thinking target, like shit, a bullseye. I'm thinking it looks like a target symbol. Right. So, so there was nothing in your background about, I mean, again, you're you're a, a highly educated guy. You're very experienced at this time. You'd spent some time living on the West Coast. You're, you know, you're a successful artist. Um, you, you're an educated man, right? And and that target on your leg meant nothing to you, right? Absolutely
2: nothing. Not one bit. I, I remember it to this day, like uh, kind of shrugging my shoulders, thinking this is a
0: regular bug bite. All right. So now, after you see that target on your leg does it trigger a thought in your mind that maybe you should go see a doctor to have that rash looked at? It didn't because after I realized I
2: had the rash, the next couple of days might've been like next couple of days, the rash got lower and when it started to go away, just disappearing, it was red, it was warm. All that started, it started went back to a regular just skin on my leg. So I really didn't think I thought, okay, just a regular bug bite that got me. It didn't, I didn't feel anything. Nothing was wrong with me yet. Maybe like a week went by, I don't feel nothing. Nothing's wrong yet. Everything's still going regular, going to the gym, going to work, doing my normal routine. So I thought, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just fine and dandy. then I was at work, took a lunch break, had to go downtown. So I wanted to do something real quick. I only had like a little 30-minute lunch break. So I tried to go downtown just to hurry up and complete this little task real quick. So I'm trying to hurry up. So I go for a light jog. I took like three steps and my left ankle kind of just gave out. Like my foot kind of just gave out. I'm kind of just jogging and just gave out. So I'm like, damn, that moment right there, I knew something was wrong, like 100% because you don't get a big rash on your leg and then you go for a slight jog, like not even enough for me to twist my ankle. It's nothing like that. So I'm just two, three steps and I just felt it instantly. I said, something is wrong and I, like i got so scared right then and there and then for the rest of that day i'm, I'm limping like i had a limp from like from there on out so
0: what you what did you do you have you, you know something's wrong you remember a rash on that same leg the leg is now uh giving out on you what do you do the next thing I do after
2: that is I schedule a doctor's appointment and remind them, this is only seven days, about seven days after I had the rash. So I would consider it still kind of early on detection enough for the doctors to figure something out. So I set up a doctor's appointment. I'm in a doctor's appointment the next week. So I go on there. It's crazy. Cause I've had this one doctor for at least like 10 years. So I called to set up an appointment with him. He's no longer there. I'm like, damn, where did he go? So I'm trying to harass the um the people there working there. Like, can y'all tell me where he's at? Like, this is my doctor. This is who I feel comfortable with. This is who I trust. And like, sorry, sir, we can't give you his information and blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of out of luck on that one. I wasn't thinking at the time to maybe just trying to look him, up, look him up online or whatnot to find him. But I wasn't thinking at the time. So I said, just give me their next available doctor there. So I ended up going to see this other young lady. She was, uh, I guess... She had only probably been there maybe a couple of years or so. I see her, tell her what's going on, tell her my legs hurt and I got a limp on my left leg. I had a rash on my leg, big red rash on my leg. It was healed, warm, elevated. It went away after seven days. Then I had a limp, so I go to her, talk to her, and she they said some kind of like venous leg type of thing where just put some type of compression sock on and elevate my leg. So. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it's not something simple. I like, okay, that's it. Go there, put my leg on, still going to work, still limping. So I'm like, okay, something's not right. Still going to work, still going to work, still limping, still limping, still going to the gym and still just doing my regular routine. Like one thing that's happened is just I'm just limping. Everything else is fine at this time. I'm just limping. So a couple of more weeks go by after that. Uh, we had some weird thing at the job where they was asking me if I wanted to stay, work late, like split up the shifts. I normally worked a daytime shift. so And my brother, I worked the same place as him. He worked uh, nighttime shifts at the time. So I switched to the nighttime shift with him and I stay up all night, end up going to bed the next day. And then when I wake up the next day, my right leg is hurting. So I'm already limping in my left leg and now I'm starting to feel something in my right leg. So I'm like, now I feel like it's getting worse. So another doctor's appointment, tell her this and tell her that. Same doctor? Yeah, same doctor, same same doctor. I tell her, okay, now my other leg is hurting. What's going on? They're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Start to, so so now we start to run some more tests and stuff like that. We were starting to run tests. They were starting running just a little normal scan, EKGs, and all that stuff like that, or whatever. Just checking my blood pressure, getting blood work done, and stuff like that. So we do that. They still still got to wait, just to see what's going on, because you got to wait for test results and see them. Say send me home, no medicine, no nothing like that, no nothing. Just still telling me to keep my legs elevated and stuff like that. Still probably something with my legs, some veins in my leg or something like that.
0: So. So it it, it seems to me that when you went to see her the first time, despite telling her that you had a rash on your leg and the rash preceded the, you know, the uh, symptoms with your left leg, she was essentially assuming that you would either hurt your left leg while you were running or you were dealing with some, you know, some vascular issue. But now when it moves to the right leg. She really couldn't come to the conclusion, I would think logically, that it's from the time when you went running and maybe you turned your ankle. I mean, that didn't change her perspective. She's now thinking, oh, now you're having a vasculation in your right leg. We're going to throw another compression sock on you and tell you to elevate your legs. Pretty much, yeah. It, it didn't trigger
2: nothing, nothing with her. Like, it was just like, okay, that's, she's like, that's weird and that's odd. Let's try to figure out some, run some more tests and stuff like that. But, Nothing's clicking in her head to, to start going specifically looking for stuff like this and that. She just
0: saying some vein stuff like that. So we're kind of so, stuck right there. Clearly, you said that when you went back to see the doctor the second time she ran a series of tests. Uh, do you know what tests she ran? Did she take blood from you? What, what kinds of tests was yeah. she offering you? Um,
2: they took blood from me. I, I honestly can't remember what type of test they were running. I think it's it still probably some it was probably just the normal standard stuff like that, probably just checking my all my levels and all that type of stuff. So it's probably just some normal standard stuff. Cause I don't I remember the first time I'm just telling them what happened. They didn't really draw any blood or anything like that. So it was just a normal visit. But the second time we did blood and stuff like that. But I'm just so it's nothing still specifically testing for. Any type of infections or diseases or anything like that. Just regular, whistle,
0: see what's in his, what's in my blood and stuff like that. Okay, so now you, you, you have your second visit with the doctor. She takes the blood. What happens after that?
2: I go home, still working, still limping, and this whole time, like the job I worked at, we had to wear these steel toe boots, and so those are pretty heavy, so. I can't wear one on my left foot because my left foot is hurting. I'm sitting over here limping. Literally, my left foot is, is, is hurting. So I wouldn't wear, uh, I would have on my construction boot on my right foot and my regular shoe on my left foot. And, of course, at the job, they keep talking and complaining and playing. I'm like, yo, my, my leg hurt. My foot's hurt. I'm going to the doctor. I can't do nothing about that. So I'm still working. And mind you, during this time, I'm working. I'm starting to feel some very, very, very weird and strange stuff going on through my body. Like not leg hurting, but like, I'm actually feeling like shocks in my body. I would go to work. I could probably last like an hour, two, three hours. And next thing you know, I'm feeling shocks in my leg. And it's just making me jump and stand up real quick. And it's just going and going. So next thing you know, I'm not able to work anymore. I'm like, I go to work for a couple of hours and I gotta go home because is those shocks and pains while I'm sitting down, I literally couldn't sit down. It was like literally just sending shocks to me by right and I didn't understand what was going on. I had no clue what was going on whatsoever. And so what do I do from there? I call another doctor's appointment and here we go again. Same doctor? No, she's on maternity leave now. So now I have to find a new doctor at the place. Yeah, this guy might have been even worse. So I go to see him. I'm starting to tell him, like, okay, I told, this is what I was telling the other lady. Like, I'm having these problems, these problems, everything's getting worse. Like, now I'm getting shocks in my legs. Like, that's something way different than I've ever experienced. Just like, it's in my legs, my left leg, right leg, just shooting, 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 shooting. So I tell him this, that Um, he's kind of like, He doesn't really know, blah, blah, blah. Most of they they send me to a a neurologist. They send me to a neurologist. And then once I get to him, he seemed a little bit more like something's wrong, like trying to figure something out, can't really figure it out. He's more some like, so he gave me the first thing they put me on, but from the neurologist was something called gabapentin. Because gabapentin is like something for nerves and stuff like that. So... They put me on that. I'm taking those for a while. I feel nothing, same thing, send me home and tell me to come back in like four weeks, another month.
0: So Cleo, you, you, you go to the first doctor, you're describing to her your rash and you're developing symptoms. She doesn't diagnose you with Lyme disease, never even raises the specter of Lyme disease. No. You go back. To the same practice after your symptoms are developing first from rash and and your your injury to your left leg, to now symptoms and pain in your right leg, right? Yeah, you go back to her. She takes, uh, she gives you some blood tests. She sends you on your way, tells you to elevate your legs. You now go back to the same practice. Thankfully, she was she was on maternity leave because she didn't seem like she was doing much for you. So you now see, you now see another doctor. That doctor is now in possession of the medical records that that were created by the first doctor, which includes the rash. And now you ha- you're having all of these neurological symptoms. He then sends you over to a neurologist and you're at the neurologist. Did you describe to the neurologist, I had a rash, I had the, the, this symptom, the you know, second symptom was, the left leg paralysis. The third symptom was the right leg paralysis. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting all these neurological pains and they are migrating. It's getting to everywhere in my body. Did you, did you give all that to the neurologist? I
2: told them everything I, like literally I gave them the same story over and over and over and over. And both of the neurologists and my other, the primary care doctor, like they were still trying to work together, like to figure some stuff out. But it seemed like the neurologist, he just seemed like a little bit more knowledgeable about certain things and stuff like that, but still not even to him. He doesn't mention anything about Lyme disease or anything like that. He just, just mentioned a bunch of weird stuff. And at this time, my feet start burning. So I got the I got the limp, I got the, the pain in my right leg, then the nerve stuff, and then my feet started burning. So I'm like, what in the world is going on? It's like, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. No medicine. They gave me help. Nothing. They did like anything.
0: Like I got no relief from anything that they were trying to work on me. So let's, let's give, let's give the folks on the podcast the context, right? You're a young athletic guy, right? Healthy. You're going to the gym on a regular basis. You're taking care of your body. And now despite being a very young athletic, well-conditioned man, your body's, your body's coming apart, right? You're just getting symptom after symptom after symptom. And now we have a very another very classic Lyme disease symptom, which is burning of your feet, right? Mm-hmm. Do you share that symptom with your neurologist and your primary care physician? Uh, and what was their reaction if you did share that new symptom with uh, the doctor? Yeah, I, I, I definitely told them about it. And they are still just like,
2: and kind of like a aloof a state of mind, I would say, like, not clueless, but just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: So uh, you at this point, you're so sick, you can't work anymore, right? And you're telling them, I'm so sick, I can't work. This is really getting bad. It's getting worse. And they're still not connecting a bullseye rash, migrating symptoms, and burning feet to anything at all
2: nothing whatsoever. I think, I believe after that, they sent me to go get an MRI. They, they, they sent me for that. And then classic, everything comes back fine, but you're out of pocket three, $4,000, like just for no reason. But yeah, I, I told them literally all, all the symptoms, the rash, the shocking pains, the burning feet, nothing's coming to mind. So Like I said, I'm I'm going back and forth between my primary care and my neurologist, like back and forth, back and forth. I see one, I see the other. I see one, I see the other. Sometimes like in the same week, just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it maybe took about six or seven months for me going in. Then my primary care finally says something about, I want to test you for Lyme disease. I'm just thinking to myself, "What, what, what is that? I don't know nothing about Lyme disease, but like, yeah, do that. Test anything, like, test for anything, like, test, test, test. So he finally tests me for Lyme disease. I get a phone call saying that um, I was positive for Lyme disease. They wanted me to come into the office to get some medicine, look at me and then prescribe something. So I get in there. He says, okay, you got a, a positive Lyme disease test. And they prescribe me something called doxycycline, which I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with.
0: So, so before you before you talk to us about the antibiotics that I gave you and the treatment, I want you to I want to sort of walk back for another another view of what was happening before your diagnosis. So, um, you already shared with us that you were you were getting so sick that you were unable to work. Um, what impact were your developing symptoms having on your ability to pursue your artistic career as a musician? It was
2: devastating. Like I was literally became like bed bound, like it would hurt to do anything. Like literally just, like, just get up and move. Like you just start feeling this, your feet's constantly burning. Like, what is that? I'm remind you, I still have a limp. So every, everything I'm doing, I, I just got a limp. So I had like a stuck limp. And so I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And like when you're entertaining and doing stuff like that in the music world, everything's always at night. So it's always like kind of the last thing to do in the day, later on in the day. So whenever there's like an open mic or a show to do, it's always at night. And what I started realizing was like, I used to kind of stay up at night. You'd be up to like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. What I started to realize was I was doing that still kind of at the beginning and I would feel so bad the next day. So I'm like, huh. And then one day I fell asleep kind of early and I woke up and I was like, I'm still hurting and horrible pain, but I felt better. And so I started to realize that staying up, the longer I stayed up and try to stay up, it would make my heart body hurt so much worse. So I'm like, friends calling at the work, let's go out. They want to go do this, go to that, that, let's go to the studio. Let's do this. I'm like, I don't want to do nothing. I just want to sit home and figure out what the hell's wrong with me. So I'm just home all day. Like, come on, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to tell you, just tell them like, I don't know. I can't even explain it to him like what it is because like it's always been hard to explain. So it's hard to go to the studio. You're just sitting there angry. You know, I didn't even want to write music at the time. I was just so mad and frustrated trying to figure out what was going on. I couldn't even write music. I couldn't think straight. I was just so angry. I didn't like, it was just taking over my whole body and taking over my mind at the same time. And I'm I'm a very aware person of everything. So it, it just feel weird just Seeing my body just being attacked and deteriorating right in front of me, and I can't do nothing about it, so I can just feel everything. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't go out. I can't perform. And it, I was just starting to get, become a real angry person.
0: So, Cleo, do you think the line rage that we're all familiar with, and it's a very common symptom in in uh, in the journey? Was your Lyme rage? Do you think the result of the frustrations that you were feeling because you were you were taken out of your your life? You were a really busy guy, working a day job and a night you know working at night uh, developing your uh, your your career as a musician. Were you angry because the doctors were were not able to diagnose what was going on, or do you believe that you had bugs in your brain and that was triggering? Lime rage because you were neurologically impaired by um by the disease
2: Uh well it, it probably i probably didn't recognize the latter until later on down the line but definitely the first two just being taken out of my ordinary everyday life like that that just had me very very angry and then i'm sitting here like going to the doctor like like you, you don't think like something like a medical emergency is going to happen to you like that's just not something people think about so when you hear doctors, you go to the doctor maybe once or twice a year for your, res- your regular physical checkup. You don't think nothing's too wrong with you, so you think the doctors know, know everything. Kind of that's what you're thinking. You think the doctors know everything. They got this, you have a problem. You go to the doctor, they fix it. But here I am going to the doctor for like seven months, no results, and I'm just getting worse and worse and worse. So I'm definitely definitely getting angry. Like not didn't want to blame them, but I'm just sitting here like, yeah, y'all the doctors, let's figure this out.
0: So, Cliff, talk to us about who you were living with at the time, and how were they reacting to your developing illness?
2: Uh, I was living with one of my close friends. Um, we had we shared an apartment together because, um, yeah, we just shared an apartment together, one of my close friends. So he actually started working. He had his own job. We, he had his own job for a while. We stayed together for about two years. And so after I kind of got sick, like I'm talking to him, we still – Back and forth like it's just i don't really know what's going on with me at first so i don't even know how to tell other people how to explain to them but they're just like like okay they 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 see it's me like and one thing about me was i've always been like a certain type of person like that people come to i'll always like to help people and just try to be someone people could talk to so it have been a very humble and genuine person so when i tell people when i tell people something they they kind of tend to believe me what i say so even though it sounded weird and seemed weird, my roommate, he, he believed what I was saying. It, it was just kind of hard for him to like, understand it through his own brain. Cause I'm sitting here telling him like, I don't really understand what's going on. But, so he, he kind of was in my corner, like, but just not really understanding what was going on. But another thing that happened was, while I still was at work trying to work, some of the people at work were kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it kind of got under my skin a little bit. Cause, I'm trying to explain to them that I'm not feeling good and I'm sick. And, you know, some of the managers and the bosses, first thing they're saying, when can you come back? When can you come back to work? When can you come back to work? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm going through. And then you hear some of them kind of talking behind your back saying, oh, he's faking it. Ain't nothing's wrong with him, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, really? And so that 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 definitely had me hot, like, I still get kind of mad about that to this day. Like, I'm still sitting here sick to this day and y'all still was in there just saying that little funny stuff. But, you know, it, it just really kind of got under my skin. Like, because I know the type of person I am and I'm just not sitting here about to just make up or oh, I'm feeling all hurt and blah, blah, blah. I want to work. I'm trying to get some money. I got stuff to do. I got stuff I'm trying to accomplish. So I look at this as a setback, not being able to work. To me, that's a setback. That's like, oh, I'm losing income. Luckily, I was able to um had like short-term disability and stuff like that so I was able to uh get that for a while so that helped me sustain like my living wages a little bit still knock you off a big chunk of change because I'm with my roommates still like as I say you gotta pay rent still got bills house car phone still gotta eat so it's just like everything is just slowly slowly starting
0: to change So now let's come back back to your diagnosis. So now you're finally diagnosed. Uh, you're finally diagnosed with Lyme disease. What was your reaction first when the doctor said to you, "Hey Khalil, we're gonna test you for Lyme disease"? What was your reaction to the term Lyme disease? I ain't have no reaction to it. I'm like,
2: please hurry up and test me now. Test me for that and whatever else you're gonna test me for, like anything. I did a blank, pretty much.
0: And but so your, your reaction was, I'm happy to be tested for anything because, you know, Any, like anything, whatever, whatever they was
2: going to come up with to test me with to figure out something I was all for. It. Like, I'm sitting here thinking I got cancer or something like that. I was I'm just scared. Like, tell me what's wrong. I want to know. I know some people like they don't want to know. Go to the doctor. they Don't want to know. No, I want to
0: know. So anything they said, disease, said thank you. Test me for it. So, before Matt takes you now on this, on this element of your journey, um, when you finally get this diagnosis of Lyme disease, what did the doctor tell you that Lyme disease was and how did you react to that? Were you happy because you now finally had a diagnosis? Were you happy that it was in cancer because you were concerned about cancer or did you have some other kind of reaction? Uh, oh, when he first tells
2: me it's Lyme disease, he doesn't explain to me what it is. He just says, you're positive for Lyme disease. Come in, and let's uh. They said they want to prescribe me some medicine. That's that's literally all they said. Just they told me was Lyme disease, brought me in, asked me how I was feeling. I'm still telling them the same stuff. Everything's hurting, still getting worse, and they described prescribe me that doxycycline. And like, he doesn't tell me how I'm gonna feel on it or anything like that. They just prescribe it, take it for 21 days. And he said, come back or you should be good. I can't remember what he said, but he just said, take it for 21 days. That's, that's, all, that's all they gave me, which is not for 21 days. So that's the normal course for people with Lyme disease. They sent me all my way.
1: So Khalil, for context, how old were you when you first got sick? I was 29. And how long was it from the time you first got sick with that ankle problem from the jog to the point of your diagnosis?
2: Ah. Uh, it happened. Well, the first ankle thing happened in November, 2016. And I don't think I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. It might've been like May. So,
1: so you're looking I, at like seven, eight months,
2: you know, yeah, seven, less seven, than a year. Yeah. Less than a year. So but less than 30, a year. I turned 30 because my birthday was in April. Gotcha. So you're
1: not 30. You get your diagnosis. It's less than a year, but you went from being extremely well physically and, you know, socially to being, being isolated and having your body, as you said, you know, the Lyme took over your body and your mind and your body was deteriorating, right? So that was a pretty quick decline in your health, right? So yeah. when you got this diagnosis of Lyme disease, were the doctors or was this doctor confident that all of your symptoms and your rapid decline was attributed to Lyme disease, right? I and mean, it just seems so interesting that they're just sort of like wash it off to say, hey, 21 days of second, you're going to get better when you were as sick as you were.
2: Well, it's it's a it's a two-part to that story. It's a two-part to that story. Cause like I said, they they first call me in and said I got Lyme disease. I go in, and give me the doxycycline. I start taking that. I don't even I don't even get through all the way through DIC the, the the prescription, the bottle dose or whatever they give me. They give me another call back saying something about a false positive. Mind you, I, I don't even know this language, so I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I'm like false positive. I was like, no, 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 no. You called me. You told me. You said I had Lyme disease. Y'all gave me this medicine, and now y'all calling me back like two weeks later, saying it's a false positive. I'm like, I don't understand what that means. I don't feel any better. I'm still getting worse. What now? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I'm literally going crazy. Like he called. They they called me and told me that. I couldn't believe. I'm like a false positive. He tried to explain it, but. I'm already mad. Lyme disease is getting into me. I'm already messed up. So I don't understand what he's talking about. All I know is I'm not better. I'm getting worse. Still, you need to help me out. Figure something out. That is wild. So
1: you're told you have Lyme disease. You're going to get better. Take these antibiotics. Two weeks later, oops, we were wrong. Sorry. We don't know what it is. I mean, are you going back into the office for follow-up testing? What's the action plan when you get this phone call? It just seems so bizarre. It's such a Wild story.
2: No, it was very bizarre. and very wild. So after that happens, I schedule another appointment. Because mind you, this whole time, I'm out of work. In order to be out of work and still get paid, you need a doctor's note. he has been writing a doctor's note this whole time. After the false positive comes back, he said he doesn't want to write a doctor's note anymore. He says, I don't feel comfortable writing this note anymore because we, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. And it's a false positive he's like, I don't know what else to do. I just, I just sat back and was going crazy. Like he said, there's nothing else I can do for you and walked out the door. Like that was the end of the visit. So no and, referral to a specialist, no, no action
1: plan, just saying, sorry, I can't help you. Bye.
2: Yes. He, he, he walked out the door. That was the last thing he said. There's nothing else I can do to help you and walked out the door. Like that's the visit. I'm still sitting in there. I literally start crying. Mind you, I'm a grown man, 30 years old. The doctor telling me there's nothing else I can do for you. I'm in pain. I'm in there, I just start crying. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I, I, I was blown that the doctor said, there's nothing else I can do for you and walked out the door. I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. I'm just sitting in there just crying, crying. And then the nurse walks in, getting ready to get the room ready for the next person. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. So she comes in like, oh man, like she see me crying. So she's like, oh, you want me to go get the doctor? I like, yeah, go get the doctor. The doctor comes back. He's like, oh, but he's still just sitting there like dumbfounded, like still don't know what to do. I'm like, bruh, I'm hurt. I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? You think you don't know what to do. So what am I supposed to do? You're the doctor. And so he just started talking and talking and talking, told talking son. Well, I can um I can refer you to this uh some Duke said something about Duke and something about no kind of Duke and something like that. I about had it with him. So he was I was like, yeah, refer me to that, blah, blah, blah. So he said he was gonna send a referral to them or something like that, but I was like borderline just done with him. Like I I I couldn't I I, I didn't go back to him ever since that day. I never I've never been back to him.
1: But Khalil you were an empowered patient from the get-go, right? Here you are. This doctor's telling you, I can't help you. I'm leaving. You call him back in and you tell him you're the doctor. I'm the patient. You tell me what to do next. This is unacceptable. Nobody does that. That's unheard of on this podcast. I just want you to know that that is a huge, huge positive trait in your favor that you were fighting for your health. Because I frankly would have cried and walked out and never would have called the doctor back in personally, right? So that's, that's a, I think, a great response that you had to demand proper care from your doctor at the time and then at that point you're like you know what I'm going to move on because you're clearly not going to be helpful so us to what happened next I mean this this obviously is an emotional experience it sounds like you're experiencing brain fog which is very common with Lyme disease where you're cognitively impaired you're not thinking as clearly as you would be if you weren't sick and now you're on your own right you're you have your roommate who believes you who's kind of trying to help you but you're quasi on your own at this point what happens next and what are your next steps
2: after that I like, I immediately called my mom. So I called her, we're just talking to her, still crying on the phone to her. We're just talking, talking, talking. She was like, and I, I remember a while back beforehand, she had, cause I, I've been telling them like, what's going on with my health and stuff like that too. So that they, they were aware of what was going on. I was going to the doctor and she, um she was telling me that she had some friend who worked at um a doctor's office. Well, I think yeah, my, my, my sister is my sister's friend. Her mother worked at this doctor's office It was a chiropractic office, but they did like treatments and stuff like that. It was just something like a holistic type of practice or something like that. So she told me to call them, set up an appointment with them, and see what was going on. Just, just, just go to them, see if I can go to them, and see what happens. So I called them, set up an appointment, go in to see them. I tell him my whole story from beginning to zero, bringing all my doctor's records from from the other place and stuff like that. Just told him about. They said, I got Lyme disease. They call me back and say, I don't. So I come to him and he, he actually knew a little bit about Lyme disease and that actually worked with patients with Lyme disease. I don't, I, I can't remember if he was a medical doctor or not, but I know his practice was a chiropractor practice. He just did a whole lot of holistic stuff with herbs and stuff like that. And other different types of treatments. So he treated a lot of different Lyme patients beforehand and helped them out some. So I started to go see him and mind you, with this Lyme disease stuff, a lot of us got to seek seek outside treatment. So insurance doesn't cover a lot of that stuff. So I started to go see him. I'm still on disabilities, but so I start to go see him and start to try his stuff out. Just going there with an open mind. I I, I, find, I realized that the traditional doctor way probably wasn't going to help. Like I I figured that out kind of quick. And a lot of people would try to send me references and resources and stuff like that about go see this doctor and this doctor. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to see any of the regular doctors right now. I'm going to try this with this guy and see where I go from here. So I went into him just with, just went open, just being open, just seeing whatever he could do to me. Because growing up, actually, I, I never was a really big fan of natural medicine. Like, I used to always try to hide from medicine. Like, i you get sick in the house, I try to hide my cough so I wouldn't have to take medicine from my mom or something like that. So I just never was a fan of medicine. I always try to just take care of myself like just the proper way. And as I got older and more educated about health and stuff, like as I get older, I started working out, started eating different, just to try to take care of myself. And I ended up getting sick. But like I said, yeah, after I got sick from the other doctors, I go see the the natural chiropractor the doctor, the holistic one, I started to go to see him and start to try different stuff with him.
1: So talk to us about the doctor's note, because you needed a doctor's note to continue to have your leave from work. And now the doctor won't give you the note anymore. You ditch him well he ditched you and then you ditched him back and you went to yeah. this natural doctor did you get another note from this chiropractor or did you at this point had to leave your job altogether
2: no for the time being i was able to get notes from him like and, and they, they they were good enough to to still keep my claim going so like well, i guess whatever he was doing or whatever it was it, it was still enough to keep my uh my stuff coming in for the time being but if i'm not mistaken short term disability that only lasts like for so long that's why it was short term so it's like I think it only lasted like six or eight months so as we're speaking I think the time might have been running out that I was still able to get that and then I had to file for long-term disability which is a completely different ball game that I was yet to find out about but I slowly did sure enough but he was able to write my notes for the time being
1: so this is the short-term disability where you're trying to get treatment and go back to work in a short period of time. That's what you, where you were at, and then eventually you had to focus on the long-term disability. So I'm curious, at this chiropractic doctor, what was he doing with you to help you with? So I guess the first question is, did he tell you, "Hey, Khalil, you really do have Lyme disease"? What was his assessment of your health?
2: His first thing he was to do was to test me again as well. Like, uh, but I guess like what what's the the original Lyme testing? I guess it was like the Western blot or something like that—the original one.
1: Yep, the, it's the ELISA and the Western blot, the two-tier testing. So Western blot's the most common, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that was that was that was the one that uh, my primary care used. If I'm not mistaken, the one that he used was the ELISA one. I guess that that one seemed to be like a little bit more in depth because I was able to see certain words like I never seen like Bartonella and um what was the other one? Babies. Oh, the co
1: it's um, so Bartonella the BC the co-infection. So yeah, those yeah, are those are additional yeah. additional. To, you know, illnesses, essentially. Right. Yeah, so that, it's, that, that,
2: that was what to learn about those
1: with him. Now, did you have to pay out of pocket for this testing? It sounds like maybe you did an hygienics test, like a, a more specialized testing.
2: No, that that one was that one was not just I, I did hygienics later on down the line uh, with a different doctor. But starting off with him, I think it was it might have been the ELISA test, but I definitely did have to pay out of pocket for that one. And that one might have been like about four or five hundred dollars.
1: And did you test positive with that specialized test for? It sounds like Lyme, Bartonella, and Babesia. He said.
2: Yep, definitely did. Like it definitely showed uh, elevated levels for Bartonella mostly, but Bartonella was the higher one. And then Babesia, it was like kind of like flipped the way they were showing. Like how he was trying to explain it to me. Like one test was show kind of high, the other one was show kind of low. But for me, explaining the symptoms that I had to him, he still kind of figured out that I probably had both of those co-infections at least.
1: And even even the better testing that you're paying out of pocket for is still not perfect, right? So a lot of times they have to make a clinical diagnosis based on your symptoms and also the testing. So it sounds like this doctor was pretty knowledgeable and diagnosed you with Bartonella BC online based on the testing and your clinical presentation of symptoms. So based on that, what was the treatment protocol he gave you herbally? So it sounds like it was more natural rather than the antibiotics. I'm curious to see what he put you on.
2: Yeah. At first, um, he just had a bunch of these different herbal tinctures, like plenty of them, like a lot, a lot of stuff like at the time, I didn't really, I didn't understand it, but looking back on it now, I, I kind of see exactly what he was doing, like, like, it's like some of the words, like Bar. I can't even explain some words, like Ben Bar, Pornelis, I can't explain it, but. A Berber,
1: Berber, yep, I know. Stuff, yep. like,
2: yeah, stuff like that, and uh, glutathione and stuff like that, some of that, like, a lot, a lot of that stuff, he was putting me on early in the ages, and me, I'm just thinking, like, what is this stuff, like, this stuff is kind of weird, like, but try, I, I was taking it, I was willing to try anything, like, and then he also had, so I, I did a lot of those herbs. Like he would give me a, a set of these, take these, switch them out, take these ones, switch them out. And he he also had a few different type of therapy stuff that um, at his practice. Like that was just stuff I'd never even seen before or heard of before. So it was, he had one thing called a, a P, PMF, P-E-M-F machine. That was one of the machines he had there that he had me use. And what that was, that's like, you, you lay down on like a little table or something like that and they put these mats on you. Like, I guess there's like some type of magnetic things or they just put these mats on you and they just like shake and vibrate to like, I guess like break up the stuff. And I can't, even, I didn't even know what stuff was doing at the time. I was just like, man, whatever you got, give me, I will try it. I would, I tried anything. So I probably tried that for, I was, well, I, I, and we're seeing him like for the first, like even the first, Five six months of seeing him and doing all that stuff, I'm not feeling any better. I I'm I'm still feeling like crap. Still finding more and more symptoms just popping up out of blue, left and right. Just more and more stuff popping up. So I'm just like, man, what is going on? So you getting worse? Yeah, still still getting worse throughout this whole time. But I'm just believing in him. I'm still going to see him. Just trying whatever he's doing. It's like I'm just I'm on it. I'm just doing it. Told me about my diet, how I needed to change up my diet. I'm like. I eat pretty good, pretty healthy, pretty normal. And so, he's like, no, even that's some, even some of the stuff I was eating that was healthy, you still gotta cut out, like, you got to change everything because stuff like candida, stuff like that, worrying about your gut and stuff like that. I didn't really have any gut problems at the time. So I I, I did listen to him. No, I did change my diet, got started getting sleep, taking all his herbs and medicines. But like you said, as time going on. I'm literally getting worse. I'm just like questioning, like, what is going on? What are we doing here? So I'm like, huh. He says, we got this new machine getting ready to come in. Like, we we haven't got it yet. It's getting ready to come in. It should be here in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, "Okay." I'm just getting excited, waiting for the new machine to come in. And he said the machine was an infrared laser machine. I'm like, oh. Don't know what that's gonna do, but shit, I'll try it. Please give it to me. Take it. So, one of the first things he did with that was I still had the burning feet. My feet might have been on fire for like two years straight, nonstop. My feet was on fire. I, I couldn't, even, I couldn't wear regular shoes anymore. Like I had to just, I had to find a special pair of shoes. that was, I had, to, I fought that. could where I had to give away all my shoes. Clothes wouldn't fit the same. Clothes too tight would make you hurt. So, this new machine comes in. First thing we tried on is my feet. Infrared laser. Like, I go in there and do a couple of sessions, just, just shooting the laser on my feet. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything and nothing like that. So, I'm just like, oh man, what in the hell am I doing? Oh, what
0: infra- do you mean laser. shooting the
1: laser in your feet? Give, give, us, give us a little more detail on that, Khalil. So, on is it like you're put on, a, on a mat? Like, are you standing on a mat? Like, what's, what no. is exactly happening? Draw us a picture of, of what's happening with, this, with these infrared lasers on your feet.
2: I'm literally just sitting in a chair and let's say like a, you know, like a machinery on a car assembly line that's just picking stuff up and doing stuff like that. The machine with the laser, like he press a button on the machine that pinpoints certain spots on the area that he wants to target. And the machine would go back and forth in like a circular or a square motion just going in these different angles, just hitting the machine. So it just keep moving and moving and moving, hitting different spots on the area that he's targeting. So uh, the treatment of that lasts maybe like 10 minutes. He did tip well, 10 minutes on one foot, 10 minutes on the other foot. I literally do that of like four, six treatments of that, and my feet stop burning. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy knows something. He, uh, so I'm definitely happy now. Like, just a, a laser on my foot, my feet stop burning. I said, Thank you. I'm just. I'm happy. I'm excited. I couldn't even believe it, honestly.
1: That's wild. So it was. It was an infrared laser. So this was. This is more of a infrared light based treatment.
2: Yes. 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 Infrared light based treatment. And, uh, Manju also he had um even before I was doing that I was doing uh he had an infrared sauna as well. So I, I did. I did that a couple of times. I guess that just helped you kind of sweat some of the stuff out. But I mean, doing that during the time, I guess like. When I say like I wasn't feeling anything from this, I guess like it's all doing something. It's all working towards something. And my guess was like just all, doing all that stuff, taking all that stuff, and, and the laser just happened to be there's just just the cherry on top for my feet at least. That's just one problem gone out of like a hundred now. So, but at least something went away. So at least I'm, the guy knows, I'm, I'm. It made me more confident that he knows something. Like he actually knows what he's doing. So. I definitely got a little bit more hope and faith just, just from that right there. Khalil, cool. give us an idea, because this is, this is
1: like a really huge step forward with knocking an, a really bad symptom off your list. You said that when you were kind of getting worse over time, what additional symptoms were you developing throughout this journey? right? Because you talked about a lot of your pain, your, your, your feet, obviously, you had a lot of other symptoms, you know, your ankles, right? your legs. What else, what else is popping up that was kind of weird and random symptoms that were occurring with you?
2: oh man, it's, it, when it got worse, it got worse, my chest. Like you start, that's when you start realizing uh, chest and stuff like that. And and also anxiety, I started I started getting chest hurting, anxiety, like my chest would feel like it was squeezing like in on me. So I just couldn't like understand what was going on. Like just squeeze, I would just be sitting there and it just felt like it just started squeezing me. Like trying to drive in the car, sometimes I put my seatbelt on, Seatbelt like barely touch my chest, but it just feel like it's too tight and it's just squeezing me. Like I had to drive with my seatbelt off. Or otherwise, I feel like I'm about to just pass out. And then you start to get like the heart palpitations and stuff like that. Your heart starts beating real, real fast, like brrr, brrr, you can't breathe, you're gasping for air. I'm like, what in the world is going on? You feel like you are literally about to die. Like there was times where I would be driving. Next thing you know, chest hurting, heart start beating real fast. Feel like I can't breathe. I would have to pull over, get out the car, just to try to gather myself. Like just like yo, like I feel like I'm about to just like have a heart attack or something. So I would literally have to pull over, get out, gather myself. And it was like I couldn't swallow, and sometimes I couldn't burp, and it felt like I just about to just like I'm about to just pass out. So I realized I always had to keep some water with me. So whenever I would get like that, I'd be able to just drink a little bit of water and that would kind of help me out, help me calm down a little bit. So it was going from that to chest pains, the heart palpitations. I'm starting to get headaches, like real bad headaches, like sharp pain, headaches, just shooting you right in the head, like just headaches and migraines. So this is like both of them at the same time, like one, one this time, one this time, just back and forth. So everything's just getting worse and worse and worse. And then after my feet starts burning, stop burning. My back started burning. So now my back feel like it's on fire. Like it felt like ah, oh, got me out the feet, but now I'm in your back. So it was like aha, I got you. So next thing you know, my back's burning. I'm like damn, what is this? So what we do? We put the laser on my back. Started using it like that, but that lasted a long time my back burning probably lasted like well not as long as the feet actually so I can't say that but that probably lasted about another six seven months of my back burning and while my back's burning something else that popped up my hips started to lock up so I will end up walking like a penguin now like I'm walking I'm just walking like a while I'm just waddling back and forth side to side I can't even walk straight like I was trying my hardest to walk straight. I couldn't even do it. I'm just like, yo. So once stuff like that starts happening, you start to get a little bit self-conscious going out in public, like people looking at me funny. Like I don't even want to go out here having to walk like this. Like I can't even just walk regular. You're walking slower. You're trying to walk in front of places and cars going out. Like it's just feeling like you don't even want to go out anymore. Like you just want to just stay in the house all bottled up and just away from everybody. So literally everything is just getting worse after my feet is going away.
1: You know, it's interesting is because one of the symptoms that I've had personally as well that that like I think back to one of my earliest symptoms when I was I was running, you know, long, very long distances. After exerting myself too much, I would have difficulty swallowing. And I recall a time like when I right when I first started to get weird symptoms, I would I would drink water after a long run and I couldn't swallow it and like, it was almost like the muscles or the nerves in my, I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't make the swallowing action. And within a few minutes, it got—it went away, right? And I heard from a lot of other people personally in the Lyme community that have trouble swallowing food and have to do, have to eat soft foods because they can't swallow whole foods and they have a lot of issues. And people have had their esophaguses stretched to help with that in the Lyme community. So I, I, we don't hear enough about this on the podcast. So I mean- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, was there anything that you did to help with the swallowing issues or any thoughts that your doctor gave you as to the root cause or, you know, maybe the contributing, you know, part
2: of Lyme that, that led to the swallowing issues that you had? Well, for, for me, the swallowing issues, is, well, th- that would only happen whenever I would start to get the heart palpitations. It would just feel like a heart attack or something like that was coming. So all that stuff kind of hit at one time. And so once it hit, it was like everything, like, I feel like I was my body was just starting to shut down. So I, I didn't, it, t- it took me a while to figure out how to deal with that because I just wasn't understanding. Like, like like I said, like the first couple of times, I just, I would just have to pull, literally pull over and just like gather myself, get out of the car, walk around, try to go near some people. So, in case I would pass out, like that's kind of the reason why I did that because I was like, from my car driving by myself, I didn't want to crash if I passed out. So, I would kind of go pull into a parking lot of a store somewhere and just to be around some people. So, if I was to pass out, somebody would see me. And so, after a while, I started realizing that. When that happened, I would try to drink water. That was just actually, that that started to calm me down a little bit. And I, I felt like I needed to burp. Like when I couldn't swallow, I would try to burp. And so I couldn't burp. So I, every time I, that would happen, I would drink some water, keep drinking some water and just kind of like force myself to burp. And I don't know if that was doing anything, but it definitely started to help me out. And then I was able to just like slowly calm down and calm down and get everything back to normal. But just for me, as far as when the hardest to swallow and stuff, like water definitely just helped me with that. But it, it wasn't ever really with food. It would just happen whenever like a little mini panic attack came on.
1: So it sounds like water and also trying to burp were the two things that helped you the most with that. Yes. So you're, we're almost a year in right to this now and you're doing a ton of things. Are you still living with your roommate? Is he getting frustrated with your health? Are you now on long term disability? What is going on personally while you're doing
2: all this treatment? Yeah, I'm still still with my roommate, still doing this treatment. And mind you, I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to the doctor at least like once a week. I would see him personally maybe once a month or once every month, but I would still go to his office for treatments at least once or twice a week. So that's just like that's 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 an expense. So it's starting to become an expense. And I'm, I'm with my roommate still. He still like he's just uh like I said like everybody just like I'm, I'm I've always been a believable person so when I tell people something wrong they tend to listen but even though, even though with this some people used to, used to you get like little snarky comments here and there like oh man you're lucky you don't got to go to work you all work, blah 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 stuff like that but I'm still telling them how I'm feeling I'm like no 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 it's, no it's not like that and it still hurts but my roommate he always been good he's been supportive he always helped me out however he could. And what was crazy was once I stopped working, my job needed some more people. So I told him about it. He ended up going to get a job over there. So he's working with them now. So I'm just telling him to roast and stuff like that. So I'm still at home. But like I said, that short-term disability to long-term disability, it, once at it, it, a certain point of time crosses over, it turns into a whole new ball game. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the doctor or I'm still seeing him. It's time to go to long term disability now. So they like, okay, uh, you want long term disability, send in all your records and all this stuff like that. So I send them everything from my primary care, send them everything from my uh my, my new doctor now. They send you all these activity forms. He fills them out saying what you can and can't do. I'm like, Yeah, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. Cause I'm telling them, I'm like, one of my main problems was standing up. He, like, I was just in pain i'm literally in pain 24 7. i feel something 20. if i'm awake i feel it now to this day so trying to stand up for long periods of time the burning in the feet would come back feet would get swollen and my body would just hurt so every time like i needed to stand for a long period of time like it, it gets i flare up like real quick so standing up sitting down. so i'm telling my doctor i can't do this can't do that can't do repetitive motions and stuff like that like just Regular stuff like was just hard to do now. Everything I did hurt. So I'm like, I literally can't do nothing. Like, So he fills it out. We send off all the paperwork to them, to the doctors. Next thing you know, they send you a letter. Your request for a long-term disability has been denied. Huh? Everything was good. I'm on short term, and y'all filling everything out, blah, blah, blah. So long term, like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's denied. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm talking about, I'm in the house, man. I'm in the house kicking stuff over, throwing stuff, pushing. I'm, I'm in the house. Yeah. I'm yelling at, not trying to be mean to her, but I'm just mad, like yelling at her. I'm probably cursing her out. i she's like, what is going on with this guy? But I'm just, I'm, I'm mad, like mad, mad, mad. And she's like, well, it's denied. Blah, blah, blah. So I don't even know if she said anything about an appeal or any of that. So, I'm just mad. I'm just at a loss for words. I got, I still got money saved up. I've always been good with money. So I've always saved money. So I got money saved up. So I'm still paying rent, still doing this. And I'm just like, man, I don't know what to do. They told me, no, I have no money coming in, spending money here, spending money there. I literally don't know what to do. And so I'm just lost. Mind you, I'm still going to get treatment. I'm still sticking on everything, but I'm just lost trying to figure out my next game plan, next game plan. And I literally have no idea what to do from there. I'm lost. So luckily, I don't even know how I came about this, but I didn't even know you could appeal. I'm like an appeal. What is this? So I don't even know who told me about it. I don't know if I called them back crying and complaining and saying, blah, blah, blah. And they might've been someone you can appeal. So they give you a certain amount of time to appeal. And I think mine might've been six to eight months. Mind you, these months go by. I didn't even appeal. I didn't know nothing about it. So I finally look at it to appeal. I'm on like the last 30 days I got to appeal. I just send it in, I appeal it. And after I appealed it, they gave it to me. So I'm like, I didn't do nothing different. Still sending more records and I'm still going to the doctor, but all I had to do was appeal and y'all gave it to me. So it's kind of like they want to deny you, to just to make you quit and give up. So they don't got to give you nothing. When really all you gotta do is just push them a little bit. Really this time, all I had to do was just appeal this time. So I just appealed and I did that. And then they just said, okay. And then they told me how much I was getting. Cause I guess they, they had to back pay you from when they first denied your claim. So about eight months went by. So they had to they back pay me, whatever's gonna give me all of that. So. I get a good lump sum, man, and I'm like, okay, whoo. they thankful, they save me, they give me the lump sum, and they still going to continue to pay me my uh, disability, whatever it is, and give me for the next uh, year or so, when I, I guess, it's like, what are down, you're figuring out, what are down, you got to keep applying, and applying, and applying every so-and-so time, so I get my my appeal, my disability, so I'm able to stay in my apartment, still go to see the doctor, I start to... Um, start to go a little bit even more, just to try to boost it up a little bit more. And from there, what happens from there? Yeah, from there, I, I, I still do that. And at the time, like I'm still kind of frustrated because I'm still saying to the doctor, I know I'm making minimum improvements, but I feel like it's not enough for me. Like, what's my next step? What's the next thing I can do? So, like even though he's helped me, I'm I'm I was very thankful for everything he done. So, I'm I'm thinking to myself, what's my next step? So, I finally start to figure something out. Like Facebook, this whole time, like Facebook's been there. Cause my this whole time I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is Lyme disease? Am I the only person with Lyme disease? Why does no? Why do I not hear about this anywhere? I'm like I'm not hearing nothing about no Lyme disease. I'm asking the doctor, like, yo, what is this? He, he, he ended up giving me some nut. He, he told me something about a support group, something that they have, like, in the community or something like that for people with Lyme disease. So that just clicked in my head, like, okay, let me look online for support groups and stuff like that. I go online, I find a Facebook group about Lyme disease, I'm like, damn, there's a lot of people in here. Like, uh, whoa, all y'all got Lyme disease? Huh, Interesting. And so you go in there, you, you get to mingling with the people, chatting with the people. Everybody got the same story. Like, how do we all got the same story for the most part going all the way down the line? I'm like, whoa. So I'm like, the government, like, what, are they, what are they doing? Why is, where's the disconnect? How? Everybody's sick. Nobody's doctors know nothing. And insurance don't wanna give you disability for Lyme disease. You put Lyme disease on anything with a disability, they gonna look at you like you're crazy and deny. So, so I meet all these people and I'm like, what in the world? And so it's like kinda, of you, you get happy that you find people that you that you see and connect with but sad at the same time to see everybody's going through the same thing. So it's just like happy, sad, but I find a group I'm searching, I'm just reading everybody's posts, going through stuff like, yep, I got that. That happened to me. That happened to me. Seeing what people, this people, they tried this, they tried that. So I would just find all these words and stuff like that, take them back to my other doctor, and just, I'd be, I'm just mentioning everything. He like, slow down, slow down. Like, I, I, I've been giving, I've been actually some of the stuff that they were talking about, we've already been doing. So that kind of made me feel like, oh, okay, he definitely knows what he's doing. So, but I'm still not seeing no improvement. But everybody says, like, like everybody's case is different. Like nobody got the same anything. Like we experience some of the same stuff, but how you get better is gonna be way different from how they get better. So I'm starting to figure out more and more in the time. And so I keep seeing everybody talking about their doctors. Find this doctor. Don't don't go see the regular doctors. Go go look for your primary care. I mean, don't look for them. Look for the other people. So I go do that. I'm scrolling. Something called what, ILADS or ILADS or something? Oh, I-Lads. ILADS, yep, International I-L-L-L-M Lyme and
1: Associated Disease Society, yep. Yeah. yeah, Thankfully for ILADS, that's a group of, of Lyme literate doctors who band yeah. together to do research and educate other doctors and raise awareness in the, in the medical community about, about the severity of Lyme disease and, and educate people on how to properly diagnose it and treat it.
2: Yep, so I find them and they got the uh, feature says uh, search to find a doctor. So I type in where I'm at, nothing pops up around here. So I start thinking, let me type in addresses of people I know that in different areas that maybe I can go stay with. So one of them I did was I typed in my aunt, she stays in uh in uh, DC. I typed in her address. They had one out there that a lot of people went to. And then I found, I had another friend who stayed in California, I, I searched his address and he has some um, about 40 minutes away from his place. That seemed pretty credible. So I just gave him a call random one day to say, oh, I'm in North Carolina. Do y'all treat people. Can I come out there and see y'all and uh, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, yeah, sure. Call my friend. I was like, hey, man, we got a doctor's out there. Is there any way I could come visit you and stay out there for a little while so I can go try these doctors out and give them a shot. And thankfully he said, yeah. So I'm still seeing my doctor here, but I, I, I go travel all the way from here, all the way to California, just to see some random doctors I never heard of, never knew anything about, just to go see if they can help me get better. So like I said, I, I was literally willing to go try anything go anywhere. You recall so the name of the doctor? Um. Stephen Harris. Yeah. So
1: walk us through clearly what that was like. I mean, you're going to California, you're staying with your friend. It's sort of, you're really sick. It's got to be unpleasant to travel. You're now, you know, treating with a new doctor. What's different about this doctor compared to your current doctor, the chiropractor you've been treating with?
2: Um, well, specifically they deal with ticks and tick-borne illnesses. They like very specific on that. That's, that's like their specialty. So I'm, I, I just felt, I felt more comfortable. I go in there and just hear talking to them, hear the language and the stuff they're saying. They're saying some of the stuff. I'm telling them what I've done with my doctor already. So they're like, well, he, he has been put you on a pretty good path so far. So they tell me what the things I have been doing have been correct. And that, you know, they, 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 the way they do their treatment is a little bit more intense and stuff like that. But I can't I I, I wasn't able to completely move out to California and just go live there so I can only go out there for like a month or two at a time so the way I would do I I couldn't necessarily go all in on treatments with them how one would do if they lived there but they were still able to see me and stuff like that and help me out and give me stuff that I can take back home and at the time we were able to do virtual visits and stuff like that so I could still see them do a virtual visit and they could prescribe me medicine to a pharmacy here. So I was still able to get whatever I needed from them from them. And when I first went to see them, they they asked me, like, how do I want to treat? Do I want to do antibiotics or do I want to still want to do herbs and stuff like that? <clears throat> I, I, like I said, I've never been a medicine person. So I said, I, I want to stick with the herbs and let's see how far I can get on that. So we do that. I start off with the herbs. They give me stuff a little bit more specific for Babesia and Bartonella. Can't exactly remember the names, but they were just a little bit more specific. And I'm trying them. <clears throat> and I'm explaining to them, like, yo, after I try the medicine, I get this weird feeling. Like, I'm, I, start, I feel sick. And they're like, you're supposed to get that. They, they, they say, like, it's like a Herx reaction. So I'm like, oh, so that are like, that means like the medicine's kind of working, something like it's reacting to it and it's giving your body a reaction. So it's like, that's kind of a good thing. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm learning something new, but I'm like, I don't like this feeling, but you say it's a good thing, I'll keep taking it, and I believe you. it's a good thing. And so I'm still taking that, taking that, doing that stuff with them, and I got a, so I think like a month gone by, we doing that, Oh, and when I went out with them, that's when I did hygienics testing. That was my first time doing hygienics testing, and even that was a little bit more expensive. I'm like, my other doctor already told me I got this and I got that, but they're like, we still want you to try this from your symptoms. And I, I do that test and Lyme disease still shows up on there, still got the Bartonella and Babesia. It's like, you, you actually are CDC positive for Lyme disease, which back in the beginning, my primary care, he's telling me the false positives and all this stuff. So We do that. We do that testing with them. So to kind of confirm everything. And so
1: how long was this from the time you started treating? Because you've been treating for quite a while, it sounds like, you know, from the time you started treatment with the chiropractic doctor to the time you now go get the hygienics testing in California. We're talking a year or more. How long? It's it's been about a year. It's been about a year. So, Cleo, walk us through now. You're in California. You finally get an eugenics test where it confirms VCA, Bartonella and Lyme disease, which are still active infections after treating for over a year. You're getting more targeted herbs for these three tick-borne illnesses. You're having a Herxheimer reaction. Do you eventually feel better? And what happens next?
2: No, honestly, I'm still not feeling any better. Like, like it's not really getting worse. It's like, symptoms kept shifting around, like jumping from here to here. Everything felt like it was just jumping around. Like this, one day this will hurt, my legs are hurt. Like, like I, I'm having real bad, the nerves pain, the nerve pain was real bad, like in my legs and stuff like that. Starting, starting to get twitching, like I'm having twitches and stuff like that. I'm like, everything is just still like flatline, well not flatline, like just steady across the board, but I'm still like in deep pain only thing that's been solved so far is my burning feet i'm still going out there to see them and see them and see them and then i want to say i I, might have been seeing them for a while i I end up coming back home i'm still trying everything and everything they give me their medicine i got other medicines i run through all that stuff i go back out there probably about probably another six months later this one was a more shorter trip but i go back out there to see them and they prescribed me something called naltrexone. And like I said, I don't know what any of this stuff is. You prescribing it, I'll try it. So I try that. They start you off with a, 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 a low dose of like, they said they, they want you to start a low dose of it then work your way up to a higher dose of it. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So they give me the first little bit of it. I, they, they, they told me like, when you first try this, you, you your sleeping probably gonna be a little bit bad at first. Like, Pregnant a little bit of nightmares, won't be able to sleep and stuff like this. And so, oh yeah, that was another symptom I forgot to mention. Like during my sleep, I would sweat a lot in my sleep. Like wet the bed sweat, like. Like night sweats. That's a very common yeah. symptom of Babesia, night sweats. You know, yep. I'm talking about, I'm waking up in the morning my sheets is just like wet. I'm like, what? I gotta go get a towel to just to wipe off just so I can go back to sleep or change my sheets sometime. Like it'd be so wet. And so, I'm, I'm telling them about that. And oh, they give me the now song. I tried that the first couple of nights. I could not sleep at all. I'm talking about giving you like, what they say, vivid dreams. Like very, very vivid dreams. Like too real. You wake up like, whoa. Was that a dream or was that a real life? But I'm like, what did them? Where did they give me? So I'm, I'm still taking it. I'm taking it. Next thing you know, like I'm realizing like, my chest not hurt as much. I'm not getting that squeezing in my chest as much. I'm like, oh, okay. And the anxiety and the heart palpitations, that stuff kind of went away. I'm like, oh, man, this, this is pretty good. And then, and then my sweats go away. So off the nail on alone, for me at least, it took away my heart palpitations, my real bad anxiety, my chest pain, and my night sweats. <clears throat> now, mind you, I still get a little bit of these still to this day, but it's, like, minimum compared to how often and how bad it was before the Now song. Like, for at least the first two years, stuff was horrible. But I can definitely say for me, the Naltrexone helped me out with those three or four things, like, to this day. Like, I still take it to this day. I've probably been taking it for, like, two years now. I'm scared to stop taking it.
1: Wow. So now Trexone was the first real big game changer. I mean, those are huge symptoms that you knocked off right there. I mean, that's that's really powerful. Now Trexone, I believe, is used as as a tool or a drug to help people that are al- alcoholics or recovering yeah, alcoholics, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's an off label use, but it's been helping a lot of people in the wine community. So, you know, now that you're making this progress, and this is from the doctor in California, correct? You prescribed yeah. that to you?
2: Yes. Yes. The one from California.
1: So, what, what else is going on in parallel? Are you doing anything else? What's coming next? You know, are you having what? any setbacks, gains? You know that kind of stuff.
2: After after we get that figured out, they, they like that's that's a, that was a pretty big one. So that was, that was a pretty big thing for me. So I, I was I was very happy with that. So like I'm still seeing them and in contact with them, but like like I said, they're so far away. I can only see them, but so much and do so, so much, and they they they're way more expensive than even my chiropractor. Like I said, all this is out of pocket. And so I got my disability back, so I'm still able to pay for everything. So I still keep in contact with them. And for like the small little stuff, like I would still go see my, um, the chiropractor doctor I had here. Cause he's the one that had the PMF machine, the laser and uh, infrared sauna and stuff like that. So I still seen him, I'm still doing those treatments with him and stuff like that. So during this time, I'm still doing that stuff with him, still in contact with my other doctors. We're still just trying other stuff on top of like okay we got this stuff knocked out with the new track on so we're trying to see if we can still get some of the other stuff knocked out and so, <clears throat> so other stuff we're trying is not really working and then I can't remember exactly when this happened but I I, I still remember to this day it was in March like the, the first day of March I actually went to go do some music stuff I I went to go do, do, do like a little photo shoot for music so I, I went and did that. Then the next day after that, I just lost like, felt like the life just like got sucked out of me. Like I had, I, I just almost like went to lifeless. I had no energy whatsoever. Couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And then every time I ate, my stomach just like got so bloated, like I couldn't even eat. I couldn't even finish a meal. Like a couple bites of a meal, my stomach would just stick out to here. Like, like, I I, so I was just like, okay, what's going on? I'm telling I'm telling my doctors in California about it, but like they're all the way out there, so they can't really do nothing about it. So I go to my doctors here to figure out what's going on. And actually, in between this time, my doctor here, he actually ended up having a stroke. The doctor who was helping me, my chiropractor here, he, he had a stroke. So he got sick himself and had a stroke and he, was out of, he been, wasn't out he was able to practice. So he wasn't able to do anything. So I, 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 I was kind of stuck, didn't really know what to do because they, they, they started bringing in other doctors that they knew that was kind of doing the same thing that, that he got other doctors to come into his office to help out while he was gone. So I didn't really know what to do at the time. So my stomach sticking out, I'm just going to see them. Whoever they happen to have in that day, I just had to go see them. But I guess I kind of got lucky because whoever, whoever I seen that day, he gave me just something regular. It was um some oregano pills or something like that. It was just something like some oregano. And yeah, I'll tell my other doctors in California about it. They tell me to get some probiotics. Like, mind you, I, I, I've never taken probiotics any before this time or something like that. So I've never been thought to get on something like that because I, I never had gut issues until this time. So I get the probiotics and just the oregano oil. And about a month later, it, it took, I, I had this for like a month. A month later, I felt better. But mind you, at this time, before all this happened, I weighed 175 pounds. Throughout that whole month, I was sick, had no energy. I wasn't. I didn't go to the gym, and I was barely eating. So, after I got better, my stomach got better. I lost 25 pounds. It like like it just fell off me. It's like every day, my stomach would just blow out every time because I, I still got to eat. Like even though it hurt to eat, I still had to eat. But when it finally got better, finally got back to regular, I was down 25 pounds, like just like that. I'm like, how do I lose 25 pounds? I'm not working out. Like, I'm not doing nothing. Like I'm just gone. That 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 kind of like just really just scared me. Like damn, I'm just in the, like any, like just that's how serious this is. Like just something like that happened. I can really eat, feel like I'm about to just die every time I eat. And next thing you know, 25 pounds gone, just like that. People looking at me like, um. Oh what happened? I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out what happened.
1: But now you're feeling better, right? So you're feeling better. Take, take the months. I mean, it, it sounds awful, but thank God you found this doctor with the oil of oregano, taking the probiotics and you bounce back. Right. And now you have the benefits of an l and, you know, it sounds like you're leveling out a little bit, making some progress, maybe plateauing and, you know, Time wise, where are we now? So, you know, this at this point in your in your journey, where are we? You know, you're you're I think what about 35
2: today? Yeah. Oh uh, Yeah, 35. 35. <laughs> yeah.
1: 29 when you got sick, you're 35 today. Where are we? You know, how old are you at this point? You know, when, uh, when, when you just it?
2: Probably about like halfway through. I'm probably like about 33. I'm probably okay. like 30, around like, 33.
1: It's so about two this is about two years ago, right? So walk us through, yeah. you know, what's what's happening next, you know, from that point through the next two years.
2: Next two years, like everything's still kind of just steady, going across, I'm still in pain, still, but still, but now I'm wanting that on and probiotics and got the other little that's here. So it's kind of just steady, 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 steady. Start to knock a few things down here and there. Like my, my back, the burning back went away. So we got that kind of knocked down. The hips start to get a little bit better. It went from both hips hurting to kind of like just one hip hurting and it, it wouldn't hurt so often.
1: Like, so what, what do you think was helping these things? Was, was it a combination of everything? Or is there one specific thing that you think helped your, your burning back and your hip pain and those types of things?
2: I, I, I have to say a combination of everything. It, it would have to be, I, 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 I don't think I can pinpoint one thing. I would, I would literally have to say, like, when I mean, you dealing with this, like everything, like everything from how you eat, how you sleep, like I'm literally starting to go to bed now at 9.30, 9 o'clock just so I can make sure I get a full day of rest because I stay up too late on accident. I wake up the next day feeling like crap. Like, you know, I I like to watch football and sports and stuff like that. So I I try to watch a football game, stay up to watch the whole game. The next day, I'm like, that hurt. It hurt just to stay up and watch a football game. Like, that's painful. So I'm just like, are your friends calling you? They want to come hang out? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bed. I'm not, I don't got no time for none of that. I'm going to sleep. And i become a morning person now. Like, I was already kind of a morning person, but I go to sleep at nine, wake up about five, six o'clock in the morning. Now, so we're just still going through all this and everything is still kind of the same as living. And here comes disability knocking at my door again. Time to renew. Time to renew. Time to, set. Time to prove to us she's still sick. Time to prove to us she still can't do nothing. So I've been on it for like about two years now. And they say, okay, we want to send you to to our doctor, to an independent doctor. So they sent me to an independent doctor, go see them. These doctors, I'm like, what are y'all about to do in this 30 minute session that's gonna prove to you that I'm so messed up or not messed up? Going there, it's like a physical. Take the little baton, check your blood pressure, stick your tongue out, check your ears, bat you on the knee. You'll see your reflexes and stuff like that. And then try to give you like a little mini cognitive test, count backwards from hundred by seven. I'm like, I probably couldn't even do that if I wasn't sick. I'm like, oh, draw a house, draw squares and draw a rectangle. I'm like, what is this? Like, but y'all don't get this out of here. I'm trying to tell you I'm messed up. I'm, I'm asking him for help. Like, well, sorry, we can't give you any advice or anything. We're just here to, I'm like, yo, I just need help. I don't care about none of this. I just want help. I want to. I want to work If y'all can get me better. I can go to work. So I wouldn't have to see y'all, but they give you this test. And it's crazy because when I went to see him, I get a new symptom when I'm going to see him on the drive to see him. I start getting light sensitivity. I never mind. I never had this problem. I'm driving. I'm I'm driving. Like it's a, it's a sunny day. It's in December too. It's December. It's a sunny day. I'm driving to go see him and like the light in my eyes like is hurting me like it hasn't before. So I'm like, Man, what is going on? On my way to see him. I tell him this when I get there. I'm like, yo, my eyes, like just today, literally on the way here, like it hurts to, to see light. And you know, they do the little eye thing like when I shot a light in your ears, I couldn't even do it in my eyes. So I'm like, ah, 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 it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting. Well, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They writing their little report. After 30 minutes of seeing you, how did you get here today? I drove myself here. Oh, 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 you could drive yourself here. Oh, you could do anything. Bruh. all I did was drive myself here. Like, yeah, like what is that? What is that proven? So he write the whole report, send the report off. In the report, he agrees with everything I'm saying. Patient seems to be in pretty severe pain blah, blah, blah. Doesn't seem like the patient is deceiving or making up anything, but I still feel that he can do such and such and such and such and such. such. I'm like, oh boy, these people are crazy. They're crazy, they're ridiculous. So now I'm having to go to this disability thing. They stopped my disability once again. So now I'm going through this once again, disability shut me off once again. So now I'm like, man, do you appeal this? Work. You have to do another appeal? Yeah, I do another appeal. But they're, they're, they're not like, they're not. Um, I was getting all my uh my chiropractor doctor that was scared. He was the one doing all my disability work and filling all that out. He has the stroke and got sick. I can he can't write anything for me anymore. So now I have to go back to the California place. I probably haven't been out there in about a year now. They're like, well, you still want to do stuff like that. You got to come back out here to see us, like in-person, do another in-person visit. Because they uh, out-of-state patients, they want you to come see them at least once a year. So I go back over there to California to see them, still do some treatment with them, and also to get them to help me with my paperwork. They, this time, they're actually able to help me with my paperwork and this time I, I stayed in California a little bit longer this time. I probably stayed out there for about almost three months this time. And so when I get out there, first thing I do, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be out here for three months. I, I, I am gonna need your help with, your, uh, with um, with whatever this disability stuff is like, I, I definitely need your help with that. Cause if I can't get them, I can't get y'all. I can't, I can't afford to see y'all, but they don't really care about that because they, they, they're trying to help. They, they're, they're really helpful. So they just want to help any way they can. So they handle all that for me. But while I'm out there, I'm able to do some more in-depth treatment with them. Because at this time, I, all, all I've done was herbs and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'll try something different. I, I, I'll I take a step out the box and try antibiotics. Because I've always been scared of that. And reading in the forums, everybody's like, Ah, antibodies this, antibody out is that. Mess your stomach up, make it worse, make it this, make it that. So they they kind of scaring me, but the herbs haven't really done nothing to this point. Well, nothing that I feel good enough. I mean, like I said, I have got better over time. So it's just like, it's so small. It's hard to sometimes even recognize it, that you're getting better. But I have gotten better. So I'm like, all right, this time antibody me up. Let's, Let's try it. Whatever we got. So they they give me two options. They're like, that is kind of true. Antibiotics can mess your stomach up if you're taking orally through the pills and stuff like that. So they got ways to bypass it. They wanted me to try something called rocephrine. And that's like, you can take it through an IV or you can take it through a shot. I'm like, I don't know too much about this IV stuff. Uh, I can do a shot. They're like, all right now, you sure you want the shot? I'm like, Nah, yeah, why not? I signed up for the shot. Like it's a shot in the butt and pretty much and you got to take one, We got to take it like once a day or something like that. So I'm like, what? Like, oh Lord. So I'm over here getting shot in the butt every day and it hurt. It, it hurt too. I'm like, what is this? So you do that. I'm doing this for a while and then I'm, so that's an antibiotic and that thing was messing me up like I'm feeling even I'm feeling worse taking it. And I'm like, "They're supposed to do this." I'm like, "Well," they said, "Once again, you're feeling it, so you might be feeling a little hurt's reaction or something like that." So, I'm doing that. Can't sleep during this whole time. I'm extremely stressed out now because they took my disability away. Money dwindling, and by this time, I had <clears throat> once they took it away the second time. I said, "It's time for me to stop." It can this can get bad, so I moved back in with my parents. So I I I had to leave my roommate. Told him that man, they gonna keep. I don't know. This can keep bad. They might just keep me off forever, and I don't want to just waste all this money. So let me go stay with my parents, so I can go out here to California and see if I can get some better treatment.
1: And where do your parents live, Cleo? Were they were they in North Carolina as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's in North Carolina as well. They was always here, so I was able to come back and stay with them. What an ideal situation, because I'm used to living on my own now. So like I said, I got my roommate. I've been living my own. <clears throat> for most of the part, since I went to college. So I'm just used to being myself, having my own space. So that was kind of uh, just a tough reality to come back to. But I never really felt ashamed by it right? because like, I'm, I'm thankful I got parents who was there to help me. Like some people in this predicament might have been homeless. Like with stuff like that going on. So I was just very just thankful for that. And I still at least had them in my corner. They always believe everything I said. Like they never questioned me one now. Like I said, it's always weird explaining Lyme disease to people because it's such a mysterious disease how doctors explain it to you. You don't even understand it. So it's hard to explain it to somebody else. Like, what is this? What's going on? So I go back to Cali. <clears throat> I'm doing the shots in the butt, trying that, not working, stressed, depressed. Like, man, I don't know what's going on. They just trying to just... Kill my whole life, just ruined me. Like I'm just mad at everything and everybody. I'm just in the worst mood possible, all the time. Even my friend out there, he can see it. Like my friends are like, boy, he's like, I know you're going through it, man. He's like I know you're going through it, but he's always been there for me too. So I, I just been thankful. I, I've had, had people that's just been in my corner that been able to help throughout this whole entire process. Like that's just something me to have, like a support system. You will lose a lot of people. And like, not that you all the way completely lose them. It's just that they don't understand what you're going through. They expect you to be the OU and be normal and everything to me just regular. Like, hey, Khalil, let's go hang out. And you're you're slowly changing. You're losing everything you're able to do. Like <clears throat> your sense of humor, everything's going away. Like you you're just in a mad mood. So you don't want to be around people. So all oh, that's changing. I'm out there. Doing my thing out there. Uh, I'm back in California doing the shots. Lost my disability. Not getting better, but I'm just trying it. Like I said, I'm, I've always been willing to try anything, so I'm trying it. Not getting better, doing that. So after I do the shots, I'm like, man, I'm not doing these shots no more. Like that, that's just too much. Like
1: what's the how, I- how long was it that you were doing the shots for before you quit? You I did the
2: shots did. for a month. Okay. I did that for a month. I'm like that's just too much. So I'm like, what's this IV thing? So it's like, oh, there's two ways we can do it. Like, you could do like just a, a temporary one Well, they'll, they'll put the IV in you and you kind of just leave it in, but you got to switch it out every week. Or they said they could do something called a pick line where they that's something more intrusive and they got to put something like in in like inside of you and then it's always in there, or something like that. I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know about that right now because I'm still not going to be able to stay out there to get the proper care for that. I'll have to come back home and all that. So, I didn't know if I can. Find out proper care for stuff like that at home. So I'm like, nah. Let me just do them one for now while I'm out here. So I did that, <clears throat> put that in my arm. And what's funny was the first time I ever tried that, I go up to them to see them. I'm like, I'm kind of scared and nervous. They putting this thing. I, I've had needles stuck in my arm to get dro- blood drawn before, but I never had nobody put nothing And anybody put in there and leave in there. So they put that thing in me. Oh, man, I start sweating. I started getting scared. I passed out for like two seconds. Like I almost just passed out there. Like get the doctor, get the doctor, get the doctor. Come help, help, help. I'm over there like, man, what is going on? I'm over here about to pass out just for them putting a little IV line in me. I'm like, man, I was just scared. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And, and but we all in there, we all just in there laughing about it. I'm in there joking with them it, just laughing about it. So we do that. And <clears throat> so that's when I start my IV treatments. Like that was my first time trying getting antibiotics and treatments through an IV. So we can try that, still on rocephrine. They switched it up to, I think something else called Zithromax. Yep. And then, again, I was was doing, I started, I was was still on rocephrine. They added in Zithromax and something else. I can't really remember what that one was called, but really none of them was doing anything. So I'm going back to them telling them I'll switch it out. They ask me how I'm feeling, what is it doing? How am I feeling on this and that? I'm like, eh, I'm not really feeling nothing. So we try something else. They give me something else. And they uh <clears throat> and like I said, they're, they're a very helpful place. So I'm paying for all of this out-of-pocket disability cutoff, just running through money, just running through it. But they're, they're a helpful place, and what what they do sometimes is people would donate medicine to them. So like they're able to give away some, a couple amount of doses here and there for free. Cause they know it's expensive and everybody can't pay for it. A lot of people donate. Like sometimes they're left over medicine, left over medicine and whatnot. So I was able to get some donated medicine and stuff like that. Like, so I didn't have to pay for the full, full thing. But so that was very helpful. And it was uh, one thing they had, they wanted me to try that that was donated. And it was something called InVance. I don't know if you, you ever heard of InVance. No. It, yeah, it was something called InVance, but they only had like a couple of samples of it. But they wanted me to try it. So, like th- during the course of the day, I had to try. I probably was pumping the stuff through me like three times a day: one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. Is it an IV, Khalil? Yeah, it was an IV. It was through an IV. Uh, InVance. So. The the zithromax and the other ones like I wasn't feel nothing on those, but this one particular time, <clears throat> the first time I even tried to advance whatever that was, I felt like an instant relief in this pain I had in my back. I was like, like I felt that it almost instantly. Like as soon as I was done with that IV, like that that pain just kind of like just went away instantly. So I was like, oh man, man that sounds pretty good right there. But I only had like three doses of that. So I probably got to use like use that for three days. So I go back to the doctor. I'm telling them, like, yeah, nothing else feel like that. But I tried the advance. and like I, I felt like an instant relief with that. So that was something they was about to look into me starting to try next. But uh they 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 a the prescription for it and everything and come to find out that's like one of them it it was expensive it was pretty much a hundred dollars for one bottle of that so it'd been like a hundred dollars a day just to uh, get on that and i'm like yeah um it helped me but i can't afford that so there's no need to, to worry about that so they still wanted to try to see if they could find some other claims health-wise that they could it, it would be able to go around they could I can do something with some type of insurance that it would be covered under it. So they they ran they ran some other tests on me and found out I had something called macarons or something like that. And they, they were saying that macarons, like when you when you got that type of infection, um that's a reason why certain medications may not work on you. Because, like, like, whatever that is, it's it was blocking certain things, like certain type of medications, like, wouldn't affect me because whatever that infection was, it was blocking that stuff. So I figure out I have that. But by that time, I've been out there for about three months now, and I got to come back home now because I'm starting to wear my welcome wherever I'm at. So, like, I've I'm, 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 I'm been thankful for that. So it's time for me to go back home. So made some progress, figure out why stuff is not working what might possibly work and where to go from there. So I come back home knowing that I got disinfection. These medications don't work. I know advance is a possibility of something that I would maybe like to try down the line if I can find out how to afford it. And so I'm still trying to figure out how can I do IV stuff back home. So I'm calling around. The, um, the person who first introduced me to the clinic that I, that I went to here, the chiropractor clinic, she moved on. But I still, I called her and asked her if she know of any places that do IV treatments here in North Carolina and Charlotte. She introduced me to this other place down here that they do stuff like that. So I ended up giving them a call just to figure out what they do. And I end up talking to them and come to find out, and they, they, end up, they they do a little bit of treatments with Lyme disease and stuff like that, too. Like, um, I I don't know how, how well and how in-depth they are with it, but they do do some type of treatments and have knowledge about that down here. And they're also a, a medical doctor who can also prescribe stuff down here as well, too. So I ended up getting in with them. I was kind of hesitant at first. I'm like, every time you go see these doctors for the first time, you gotta pay them like almost nine hundred dollars. Like that just seemed like this to be like just a common thing. The first time is just the fee, and then the initiation fee to set up with them. And you gotta encope them. You go to them, run down your whole symptom list, and everything like that. All your issues and stuff like that. So I was hesitant, but I'm back home. I still go see them, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's something I'll think about trying and doing. And so I I ended up doing that. And so, and this is now, we're starting to catch up to where we are here now today. So I go see them for the first time after I get back home from California. at about, part of me, I'm back home, still taking my regular medicines, probiotics, just staying on path with my health and like pretty much like the maintenance for me, it's kind of just helped me stabilize and like make many improvements and stuff like that. Just the, So I'm on my probiotics, my on and just eating healthy and stuff like that, still doing a little regular medicine and taking some herbs here and there. So this IV clinic, you
1: decided not to go because it was a lot of money up front and another big investment, or did you go to this new clinic that oh, you no. found?
2: I ended up going. I, okay. I, I ended up going. It just took me a while to, to, to go from from when I first came back home from California. I just I probably waited about five about five months before I ended up going to see them. Like I said, I didn't want to spend all that money right away. And what so, IVs were you
1: doing? Were you, were you doing more antibiotics or what kind of IVs were you getting? Um,
2: uh, With them? Yes. Uh, with them, I didn't, Um, I'm still seeing them now. I, 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 I've only been to them maybe two or three times. Because like I said, like, we're catching up to recent now. So yep. two or three times. And I've been trying to figure out which path do I want to take to go with them to see them. So I, I'm just, I just been trying to figure out my approach, cause along this process, with Lyme disease, you 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 learning so much. Like I'm still I'm still learning stuff now to this day. So, like you said, like you figure out the order of what to do first, what to do, what you should have done first. So, I'm just figuring out all this stuff, all this stuff. Like, you know, like they start to figure out about mold and parasites and all this and all that. I'm like, you got all these problems plus all these problems. Like it's like. They're not the same, but it's all kind of the same. So I'm just like, now now I'm starting to figure out, let me slow down, figure out what do I want to attack? How do I want to attack it? What should I do first? So I, I did go to see on in the initial setup just to talk to them, to see, just to get in the system with them. So I get in the system with them, explain everything, find out that I can get the now tracks on from them as well. And come to find out and getting it from them is actually cheaper. It was actually cheaper because from other doctors from California, they were still prescribing it, but it cost a little more. But getting it from them coming out to be cheaper. So that was a win. And so he's telling me the type of stuff that they knew down here. Like they knew some of the same stuff that PMF, the saunas. But something else they introduced to me um, was it um, uh, uh, ozone therapy? I've heard about it, but I never knew what it was or what it does. And so he said, that's something that they offer us something I should think about doing. I was like, all right, that sounds pretty good. And mind you, before all this happens, um, while this is happening, like I said, in California, they helped me with my disability. I'm waiting on an answer from them. I've been off disability for about a year now. It was so funny because I knew I sent them all my information now, just like now we're just waiting on the waiting on the answer. I get a phone call. I know it's them. I know it's them. I answer the phone. She said, How are you doing? I said, that depends on what y'all about to tell me. Cause I know you got some kind of news for me. So it depends on what you're about to tell me. She's like, well, I got good news for you. I just started smiling and said, okay, I already know they, they approved it. So they approved my claim. I get my back pay again. And this time it's all that money again, even more money than last time. So I'm like, okay, I got some money saved up. Let me not waste it just jumping into all these treatments and just throwing all the money away. So I'm seeing the doctor now and figuring out what can I do with them? What do they offer and stuff like that? And and tell me my ozone. I'm bouncing that ozone off my other doctors. And I also go see him. They started talking about parasites and stuff like that. They, they Down here, they, they they, know a little bit more about parasites, so they they more than that. So they give me a stool test to do to find out about the parasites. And they gave it to me. And then sometimes, I'm not going to lie, with a lot of disease and going through all this stuff, sometimes I don't want to deal with none of it. None of it. I don't want to deal with the tests. I don't want to deal with the doctors. I, I don't never slack off on my treatments because I know that's gonna make me feel bad. So I still always eat good and take my medicine. I that's I'll do that. That'll be the bare minimum. I'm always gonna do that. But taking this test and doing this, and I'm like, man, I'm not doing that right now. I'm gonna I, I will eventually get to it. And I know sometimes I gotta I gotta get better with that, but sometimes I mean, forget it. Like just take your time, go at your pace, just take care of yourself. Don't force yourself to do what the doctors are telling you to do. Because, of course, I mean, they want you to get better, but they're going to say, do this, 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 and that. You got to go at your own pace. So I learned, I learned I learned, that going at my own pace. So I, I get the stool test. <clears throat> I just do that recently. I just sent that off like maybe a couple of weeks ago. So I'm waiting on the results of that. And throughout this whole time, I go back to California. I actually just got back from California the beginning of this month. So I'm out there again. I go out there for about two months. And I'm so brain fogged, I, I, I don't even remember what I just did out there. <laughs> like I'm Like, what did I just do out there? I'm confused. Did
1: you do more IVs? Did you do any antibiotics? More herbs? Did you do any um... antibiotics?
2: I did more antibiotics, but I did them orally this time. Like I didn't like really going, yeah, going through the IVs and all that stuff. I just figured it'd be a little bit more cheaper to do them orally. So yeah, I did do. I did. I went out there. I did do them orally, and they gave me some stuff. Oh man, what did they gave me this time? Woo.
1: More, it more. Sounds like a more more of a cocktail of oral antibiotics that you got.
2: Yeah, yeah, they, they gave me more of a cocktail. Can't really remember is exactly, that I got the list somewhere, but they gave me a bunch of stuff that I'm just trying, trying, because now I got all these gut issues now, like my, my gut and all this stuff. Like, like the first two or three years, I didn't have no gut issues, so now my gut's been like that. So they want to figure out what's going on with that, so that's why I need the the parasite testing and stuff like that. And also, when I went out there, and they, they're still trying to figure out What's blocking a lot of this stuff from working? And so, another thing she did, she brought up mold. I'm like, I hear, I always hear people talk about mold and mold and mold. And I'm just naive thinking, I don't got no mold. What is mold? I do the mold test. She's like, my mold levels was like high, like high, high, very high. She's like, that's definitely a problem. That's definitely something you want to try to take care of. I'm
1: like, whoa. Yeah, Khalil, we've heard that from many, many, many guests on this podcast that if you have high levels of mold in your system, your treatment simply will not work the way it should, right? So it makes sense because you've been treating so aggressively with good things, a ton of herbs, you know, IV antibiotics, oral antibiotics. You've done all kinds of stuff that should be helping you, and you're making some progress, but not where you should be probably, right? Now you're realizing just recently, like right now, hey, look, I have high levels of mold and I have to address this because it's inhibiting me from healing. Right. And that's really seems to be where, where you are. So based on that, are, are you now investigating where the source of the mold is? Do you think it's in in your the home you're living in now? Do you think you're exposed to mold? You know, where you know, what are your thoughts on the whole mold situation and what are your plans
2: with that? Yeah, as far as the mold situation, like because um, when I moved back home, I, had to, um, I was staying like in the sunroom, like an outside stereo room. So sometimes like water would leak through and stuff like that, but I never, I, I always try to look out for it and like never really seemed like to be mold or nothing like that anywhere. But I guess it had to be in here somewhere. But then like, as of lately, I, I have started to see something starting to build up. Like it's starting to look a little bit more like mold, So I'm getting ready to change, like change rooms, get out of that room and change rooms. But that was something big that they brought up and, they definitely gave me some medicine to address the mold. So I changed rooms now. So so I changed rooms. We got one of those remediation people and all that type of stuff. People who deal with that type of stuff getting ready to come out, look at everything, see if we need to get stuff treated and stuff like that. And they gave me the medicine for the mold, gave me some antibiotics and stuff like that to help treat that. And also um, my doctor down here gave me some some type of stuff. She wanted to give me some... uh, probiotics but some with mold fighting stuff in it and that'll be able to help i never heard of that so i guess that's something new i'm actually waiting on that now but i still got the other medicine and they also uh prescribed me some other stuff that um because they knew i was coming back home i not gonna be able to come back out for a while so in california they gave me a good a good amount of supply to last me at least three months about everything that they gave me so um Something else they gave me was uh, something to help with the pain. I normally was like, with the pain, like, are you taking any Advil? I don't know. I was like, no, nah, I'm not messing with none of that stuff because I'm going to just end up taking a bunch of it just to try to feel better. So they gave me something for the pain. And I've been on it for a little while and it's starting to feel like it's doing a little something like I don't feel as much as quickly as it used to. me. like I still get it if I'm over exerting myself. Like today, going to the store and doing all that type of stuff. Like I hurt a little bit more today than I did yesterday. Yesterday I was just around the house. I didn't do nothing yesterday. So normally as my day goes on, my pain builds up. Like in the morning it starts, I'm feeling good. As the day goes on, it mills and mills and mills, and it hurts more. So I feel like that medicine may have helped a little bit, but I can't really tell yet. I'm just still gaining everything, but I'm just going with the flow now. So Khalil, my final question before Rich picks up with you is,
1: if you had to, you know, if looking back when you first got diagnosed with Lyme disease, after everything you've been through, what advice would you give yourself then based on all the knowledge you've gained over the years since?
2: Man. I guess what I would have done, I, I, I would have done a little bit more research sooner. Soon as you, soon as I found out the trigger word Lyme disease, I, I I feel like I maybe should have just done a little bit more research sooner because it took me a while. Once I've heard Lyme disease, I mean, I went to my other doctor immediately to find out, but just a, a little bit more research probably could have saved me a little bit more time in figuring out how to navigate which and where and stuff like that because I actually bought a book on the stuff online disease, but I, I I never liked to read. I, I never been a reader, and then now I try to read it, just sitting there and trying to read. I got frustrated so much. I just, I never read it, but a little bit more information definitely definitely could have led me down a right path a little sooner. Uh, Cause I I mean I I, I kind of feel like I did most things, what I could do. I had the rash and. Most people say I want to go to the doctor right away. I mean, I went to the doctor within a week. I mean, that's pretty close enough to figure something out. I'm telling them the rash. So I I just feel like I did. Like, cause a lot of stories I hear, they never find the rash. They never see it. So they never, never even though they haven't, I spot it right away. Limp and go to the doctor within like seven minutes. I mean, seven seven days within a week. So. I felt like I did a lot I could do, but I, I definitely will say a little bit more research and definitely want to help me out a
0: little bit more sooner. So, Claire, one of the things you, you could have done early on, had you discovered the Tick Bootcamp podcast that you're on now, is rather than reading those heavy books, you could have been listening to the folks in the community share with what their experiences were so that you could have had some shortcuts the way, you know, folks are now going to be able to do based on your kindness of sharing your story on the podcast. Exactly. So, Cleo, let's talk about now the beauty of Lyme disease. What have you learned about yourself that you wouldn't know had you not gone through the suffering that was caused to you by Lyme disease?
2: I mean, to be honest, uh, just like, just just a fight in me, just, just to keep going. And honestly, I, I've always been like that. I, I've literally always been like that. I, like, I've always been, like, focused and driven, like, I've always wanted to do like my music and entertainment. So I've all, and and that's a hard, that's a hard business to get into a very hard business to get into. Everybody's trying to get into it. So it's, I guess you could say kind of a similar like a fight, like you're fighting to get attention to get in there. So with Lyme disease, it's like, you're fighting to get better. And it's hard and it's real hard and it's real, real, real hard. And it takes a lot of, work and time and patience to navigate yourself just to make it there. And just going through this, like, it's plenty of time. You're just like, and hey, you're done. You're like, you're like, man, I can't take this no more. I am tired of this. Like, so many times I've just been by myself just crying. Just, just you'd be sitting in a room, watch TV, next thing you know, you just crying. Sometimes I'm driving, next thing you know, I just start crying. And just going through a you just... You're still here. You're, you're making a little bit of improvement. Even if it's just a little bit, you're not getting worse at the time. So just that I'm just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting.
0: So one of the things that's great about this podcast, Khalil, and I, I certainly want to share this with our listeners, is that the folks that we see getting better are the folks who have your mindset. Where they believe they're going to get better, they, 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 they have no doubt in their mind that they're going to get better, but they know that they have to deal with the day-to-day issues and keep pivoting and keep making sure that they're getting momentum. There are going to be some setbacks. There are going to be some times when you're going to be um, you know, in a very difficult spot emotionally because you're just getting tired and worn out. But then you reinvigorate yourself and you try something new. And you've been unbelievably um, resilient in this whole battle. Um, and, you know, we appreciate you, you know, sharing with us the vulnerable moments where you were crying and you were upset, but then you pull yourself together, pull yourself up by, uh, by your shorts, and move, move, to the next, uh, move to the next treatment, and, and, and it does, doesn't matter where the treatment is, what part of the country it's in, who it is, you're going to find the next thing that's going to allow you to get better and better. And that's really a great part of the story, and I think a really powerful model. So with that being said, clear, let me ask you the last question that we ask everyone on this podcast. Your parents have really been wonderful to you on this journey. They've always believed you, and they offered you a place to stay when things got tight for you. So let's say, God forbid, your mom got bitten by a tick, and she came walking into your room right after this podcast. What would you recommend that she do so she wouldn't have to go on a very difficult chronic Lyme disease journey?
2: first thing I'm going to tell her to do is save the tick. Keep the tick. I always hear people say that, keep the tick. I don't know where you take it to or who you send it to, but keep it. So I'm guessing that you'll be able to find what exactly strands that got just more specifically to get that specific treatment for you. So definitely would tell her to keep the tick and find a doctor who knows Lyme. Find one, do whatever research you can to find whoever it is. And you got to go see 10 doctors See 10 doctors. Find you a doctor who will listen to you and believe you because you are not lying. Everything you feel is valid and it's the truth. And a a, a Lyme doctor who who knows Lyme will believe you because they've heard it from everybody.
0: Two monies, we can't thank you enough for sharing your really powerful story with the folks here on the Tick Bootcamp podcast.
2: Thank you guys for having me so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to our Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Khalil Fuller. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Two Monies, also known as Khalil Fuller, please follow his Instagram page at twomoneys87. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created Tick by Blueprint. It has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by folks like Khalil Fuller who have appeared on our past podcast episodes. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, the good folks of our community, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute out of your busy lives to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews you're kind enough to leave us. Thank you, as always, for listening.